Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, October the 12th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Wes Reimnitz. I just want to make a mention why we were not on the air yesterday. I had the privilege of being a speaker at the Ministerial and Teachers Professional Conference that was held in Lake of the Ozarks. And so I had to leave early in the morning and didn't get back till, well, almost seven o'clock that night. And uh, I spoke on discipline in the church. And you'll be hearing about that on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, where I'll give you some of the points that I was making concerning how do we do discipline in the church. But today, with the help of Wes Reimnitz, we're going to be doing a different subject because what we have received is an email where sooner or later, the big kinds of questions don't always have easy answers. Questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do people suffer? And why do we always just lose one sock? Now, we don't have the answer to the sock question. Where in the world do the socks go? But I might be able, with the help of Wes, to help with one of the other big questions. Why does God allow suffering? This is not a new question, is it, Wes? No, it, it really is not a uh, question, a new one. It's a question that really dates back to the days of Jesus and his disciples. In fact, there's a story from the Gospels that directly answers the question. It's found in John chapter 9, and it reads as follows. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus sat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing Yes. Now, we have to make a point that sometimes bad things happen to people as a consequence of their sin. For instance, King Herod was eaten by worms because of what he had done to the children in killing them, thinking that Jesus was among them. But other times, God has a different purpose. And that is clearly stated in John chapter 9. The disciples 
brought up under Judaism, thought that anybody who was blind or lame or mute or deaf or had various diseases was a punishment from God for their sins. Therefore, when Jesus healed them, from their point of view, Jesus was taking away the punishment that God had given them. And in this case, that was not true. Oh, yeah, um, most, most certainly. Uh, in this instance, what you were talking about seeing is believing is more accurately to say that in this, this miracle, believing is seeing. Jesus healed him on a multitude of different levels. He saw the beauty of God's creation around him. He saw and understood the purpose of life. He saw everything in proper perspective. And most of all, he saw Jesus. Yes, it's not only what Jesus saw, but he saw Jesus. In fact, later on, he met Jesus. And at that point, he still did not know that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus admitted to him that he was the Messiah. And then the Pharisees asked Jesus, well, are we blind also? And Jesus' remark is interesting. Because you say you see, you are blind. And of course, what they were seeing was not the word of God, but their own views in Judaism. Right. So, well, you, the purpose of this article, though, is to take a look at the question Jesus asked. They no, it was that the, the disciples asked. The disciples asked Jesus because of the, about this man. They assumed because it was a common belief in that day, as you talked about, that blindness must have been a consequence, yes. whether because of his sins or his parents. We assume the same with similar questions today, don't we? Yes, like, why does God allow babies to be born with disabilities? Why did the hurricane directly strike that city on the coast? Why did so many people die in that devastating fire? Are these devastating events some kind of divine punishment? Well, kind of like C.S. Lewis put, that the problem with pain is atheism is the most potent weapon against Christian faith. But you can already see, you identify with this, you harbor significant doubts or may have turned against God because of the tragedy early in life. That really is this. true regarding the Nazis. Many mm -hmm. Jews came not to believe in God because of the Holocaust. They could not imagine that God would allow their Jews to be burned in crematoriums, etc., and killed. And therefore, they no longer believed in God. And so that was the problem that C.S. Lewis is saying, that atheism's most potent weapon against the Christian faith 
is a problem of pain. You might have been particularly dealt with a harsh hand. What are harsh hands? Well, a tragedy early in life. Um, your parents may have been divorced. You yep. have a disability. You're grieving because of the senseless death of a loved one. So you just have one answer. Why is that? Because you're not alone in asking that question. Ed Sheeran, one of the biggest global pop stars in the 21st century, said he reveals in a new documentary that he also has asked those questions. Over the course of just a few months, his best friend died from cardiac arrest while still in his early 30s. And then his wife, Ed's wife, ended up diagnosed with a cancerous tumor while pregnant with the couple's child. What does he say in his documentary? Well, the sum of his document was uh, the sum of it all. He says grief and life took him took over the course of his life for a period. He found himself feeling suicidal, plagued with fear, depression, and anxiety. Yes, that's often the result when we get hit by great grief or suffering. But sometimes bad things happen. Our lives just don't make sense. It doesn't matter if we're rich or poor, famous, or unknown. Why do these things that are bad happen? Well, that's what the disciples wanted to know from Jesus. What bad thing happened in the result of this man's life that he was born blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Yeah, you know, you might be surprised to know that Jesus' answer in that particular situation was neither. This man wasn't blind because of sin, period. God had a different purpose for the man's blindness. And we can learn three important truths from this story. What's the first? Uh, the first thing I always say is the, the generic. It goes back to the fallen world. God created Adam and Eve in a perfect place, the Garden of Eden, and humanity was created perfect. We have to realize before the fall into sin, there was no illness. Everything was perfect at that time. We didn't age. We didn't die. We were completely innocent, naked, and unashamed as the Genesis account says. But what ability were we able to choose? Well, the ability of right and wrong. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, made, of course, the wrong choice. They chose wrong. They sinned as a result of living today under the curse of sin. It impacts our world and shapes everything that's a part of our lives. Now, had Adam and Eve never sinned, 
our world would not be cursed. It, in a broad sense, things like sickness, disabilities, and death are the result of sin. What does the Apostle Paul say about it? Well, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, and for everyone sinned, Romans five twelve. That means humans are responsible for sin, not God. Now, in response, what do pe some people say? <laughs> well, why didn't God make humans so that they couldn't sin? And the answer to that is what? Well, he gave to us free will. We can choose good or choose evil. We can love or reject him. We can use free will to do the right thing or the wrong thing. God had not allowed us to exercise our free will. Our world might be safer. In, in other words, it's kind of like the life of sanctification. When you do become a Christian, you have a choice in obeying the motivation of the Holy Spirit and the good works that he wants you to do. But sometimes we don't do that and we fall back into sin. What's the second truth that we can learn from this story of John 9? Well, life can be bad, but God is good. The response of Jesus to his disciples was, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sin. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. In other words, the question was not about how the man ended up blind. The question was about how Jesus could use his affliction to bring glory to God the Father. Now, I, I remember watching... Uh, a number of documentaries on the Twin Towers that fell in New York. And there was one movie that showed how 27 people had been saved by two men who climbed higher on the towers to rescue them. Now, they died, the two men, but the 27 people lived. And what was very interesting, here's the Twin Towers burning, ready to come crashing down, and the people are praying to God. They're not praying to themselves. They're not denying there is a God, but they're look, looking to him. And so that's the truth about our grief and suffering. Have you had people in your congregation shut-ins, etc., who may be near death, and they love to hear about Jesus? Oh, absolutely. Uh, some of the best witness stories you come up with is when they're near death. I, I remember one retired farmer in his 90s was on his deathbed, and his family was all surrounded him. And I took him to the through what I call the Lutheran last rites of of life, confessing sin and belief in Jesus and 
making that wonderful confession right before the very family that his hope lies in in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we are often asking, what caused this misery? But God is asking, will you allow me to use it? And that's why we pastors visit folks in the hospital, shut-ins, and others who are near death. So Jesus chose to perform a miracle in this man's life. He healed him and did it in a most unusual way. Previously in the Gospels, Jesus had healed people in a variety of ways. How did he did so, how did he do so? Well, he would physically touch the people or he would merely speak the word. You know, that kind of reminds me of the centurion who came to Jesus asking him asking him to heal his servant and Jesus was willing to go and he says, You don't need to go, you just need to speak the word. What was the theological significance of spitting on the ground and using that water to heal the man's eyes? Well, what does that remind us of? Oh, he created mankind out of the dust of the ground. And the water bit? Baptism. Yes, that Jesus would heal in baptism. In fact, he sent him to a pool called Siloam, which means to be sent. So he gave this man instructions to go wash off the mud in a local pool. I often think about that because I think, how would you make a movie out of that. Here's this blind man who's well known because he's asking for alms at the temple. People know him and here they see him walking through the streets with mud all over his eyes, asking him, how did that happen to you? And he says, well, a man put it on my eyes and told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. That just would seem ridiculous. But that's what Jesus did. That reminds me of the story in the Old Testament brought up by Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, where the Israelites were, were bitten by poisonous snakes, and Moses lifted up a bronze servant, and all they needed to yep. do was look and believe. Yes. So what's the third point? The first one, of course, is we live in a fallen world. The second one is life can be bad, but God is good. And what's the third point in talking God about used, suffering? God uses flawed people. He gave the blind man a role in his own healing. The man made his way to the pool, washed himself. Likewise, God uses small in statue of David to bring down a diamond giant. 
He used Moses to part the Red Sea. He used Esther to save people. In fact, is that not the whole message of the Jesus revolution? God uses messed up people. And those messed up people are often flawed. Chuck Smith had his own struggles. And God knows that I have faults and limitations. Why does God give a blind man a role in his own healing? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, instead God chose the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Yeah, that's the Ephesians passage. We're saved by grace, through faith, not on account of our works, lest what? Lest anyone should boast. Exactly. You cannot boast of your salvation. It is a gift from God himself. So God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. In this case, Jesus even didn't tell the man what would happen when he washed his eyes. He just sent him to the pool. Imagine the blind man counting the steps down to the pool, washing the mud away, and then opening his eyes to see for the first time. There's God in part of our healing. And then there's our part. The blind man later told the people of his village, I went, I washed, and now I can see. How can we follow this example? Well, if God leads us one step at a time, then we all we have to do is take one of the first step. If he stands at the door and knocks, then we, all we have is to do is open up the door. It's, it's to know that the Lord is guiding us every step of the way. Yes. So what is the truth about our life? Well, it can be difficult, you know, we know as well as you do that some questions don't have the good answers, but Jesus changes everything. He can take us out of our everyday struggles, heartaches, and bring good out of them. He can take our messed up people and use them to do great things. Once you believe in him, he can help you see the world and eternity in a way that will completely transform our lives. A good example of that is the cross. What was happening with most of the disciples when Jesus died on the cross? <laughs> they were running away, running away from the cross. Then after the resurrection, they ran back to, to Jesus. Or Jesus ran back to them. Yeah, yeah. That's probably even better yet. Yeah, Jesus ran back to them and found them. 
Yes. And the road to Emmaus tells us what was the problem with those two disciples before Jesus spoke to them. How all these things could happen to Jesus and Jesus given one of the greatest Bible studies of the Old Testament prophecies that had to be fulfilled in Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. Yes. And so God has a plan every time we suffer or experience injury. And that's where the Christian's comfort comes from when the pastor quotes those comforting passages from the book of Psalms. Uh, do you use other Bible passages besides Psalms? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the whole Old Testament, uh, God using flawed, flawed people, Moses, Miriam, uh, the Israelites, New Testament Paul with uh, his sufferings, came back, his, God's grace was sufficient for him. It's all over the place there for us. Exactly. Remember the Egyptians were at the mouth or at the seashore of the Red Sea. It's very, very deep. And behind them are the Egyptians going to attack the Israelites. So what do the Israelites do? God uses Moses to open up the sea in a miraculous way. And they travel through the sea on dry land, get to the other side. And then God takes away the clouds separating the Egyptians from the Israelites. So the Egyptians start to chase them and they get drowned. That's the kind of thing we need to look at. So. Thank you, Wes Reimnitz, for helping us with this most important question. Why does suffering happen to good people? And it's God's presence that we're important about. Join us tomorrow for a discussion on instruction in the church. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.